0: My tie! Fuck your tie.
1: (laughs) 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 Fuck it. Do we want to try to do a more official intro, or do we want to try to, like... If you want. I I think it's funnier to just... Me just not knowing what the fuck I'm doing.
0: (laughs) It's your fucking show, baby. I I enjoy
1: Uh, loose segues. I was just like, yeah, this is recording, right? For some reason, I think that's the funniest thing in the world to me.
0: Well, it's it's sort of like with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, how he has the hit record stuff that he does. And he literally always starts it with, is it recording? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> do you want me to start it then? Uh, do you want to? I don't know. I... I, d-
1: I know you don't particularly care one way or the other. I'll, I'll do it if you want. Uh, Fucking go for it. Also, we've been recording, so this is our segue anyway. <laughs> Bitch! <laughs> None of that is admissible!
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm a piece of shit. Hello, listener. <laughs> How are you? I am Matt Delhauer. And Uh, I'm Jeremy Doyle. And welcome back to uh, our second uh, talkback mini-episode in-betweener of the Cape Swoosh podcast.
1: I love that you're just staring me dead in the eye as you do draw out every
0: damn syllable. (laughs) This is how I improv is talking slowly. (laughs) Today on
1: the Cape Swoosh Podcast, we're going to be talking about Chew. Chew. Which is an interesting
0: little comic, and not our usual fare. No, um, I mean, the fact that we are moving away from anything even remotely superhero-based is very off-brand.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about doing it for, like, a while. Just the idea of do- tackling things that are, A, indie, that are not from
0: DC or Marvel, yeah. and B, something I- that's... If anything, actually, now that I think about it, we've been doing Scott Pilgrim for a long time, and that's technically not a superhero thing. So yeah. I, I just lied directly <laughs> into this microphone. It's so. a it's a weird segue because Scott's so heavily based on anime and the superhero genre yeah.
1: that it's practically a commentary on it.
0: Yeah, it it takes a lot from from the stuff that we love with the video game references and the pop culture and everything, whereas Chu doesn't do that at all. It no. is its own entity in its own weird fucking world. Yeah, which is...
1: Uh, we'll get into it a little bit, but, like, researching this comic is... <laughs> it's hard to peg. There's it's, not a lot. There's really from not. what I was looking at.
0: Like, as far as I could tell, um, Rob... Whatever the crap his last name is. Uh, Rob uh, Lehman? No, uh, Guleroy. Oh, gallery The yeah. artist. I don't think he's done anything else.
1: Uh, yeah, we'll definitely get into that, but... Uh, Let's just dive into the background right now. So, Chew is an Image comic, mm-hmm. uh, which people will know Walking Dead is basically their flagship.
0: Yes. So, uh, before Walking Dead, really the only thing that Image had kind of going for it was Spawn and anything Todd McFarlane based.
1: Yeah. They're kind of known for being like the grittier, noir, dark they're, stories. They're the
0: outlaws of the comic world.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: God. It's so <laughs> 90s.
1: <laughs> so very 90s. It's written by this guy, John Lehman, who he's a fellow that's just kind of been around. He's done his rounds at basically every major comic label and then a bunch of the ones that are not huge.
0: Like he has some weird stuff under his umbrella. Oh, can I can I name some of my favorite weird things? Oh, please do. Okay, so for IDW, he wrote a comic book about Scarface. He did.
1: That was one of the <laughs> ones I wrote down. He wrote a
0: Scarface comic. Oh, I love it. Uh, I was gonna say, I mean, IDW. He had like that was just weird in general because that was him doing Scarface, Godzilla, and a Mars Attacks comic. Uh, yeah. Like he likes
1: weird noirish,
0: like dark sci-fi stories. Yeah. yeah oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And then he'll do stuff like. Zena,
0: yeah, Zena. Uh, he did a little bit of Red Sonia. He really loves him some strong ladies in fur bikinis. Yeah, he's been with the 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 big two at points as well. He's done a lot of Batman stuff back in. Yeah, maybe, he worked
1: on Batman Eternal.
0: Yeah, he did Batman Eternal, did some Catwoman. Uh, so he was he was bouncing around in some of the new Fifty Two stuff and even a little bit before that. Yeah, but um, I think one of the biggest things he had going for him was that he was a big part of the Shadowland and House of M stuff that they did at marvel yeah in the early 2000s so i mean he's not exactly unknown but he's not really a name that just leaps at you if anything because you know chu's been it's such a long-running series that he became known for chu yeah like that's and that's that's the interesting thing is when you have someone who like they've been able to be in the business and they've been able to be on with all of the major teams but they've always been like second string And then so, like, they they venture off on their own, and they do their own thing, and they get known for it, and fairly, at at least better than they did anywhere else. And it proves um, that you kind of don't have to be with the big companies to be able to get your stuff made, neckbeards. (laughs) Ah, the neckbeards. (laughs) Ruining
1: everything! Ruined! (laughs) So, uh, getting into uh, Chew a little bit, because Layman's... Story with Chew is weird because it's basically non-existent. Mm-hmm. There's no backstory to how Chew was created because Layman's explanation is basically just, I had an idea one day and that's it.
0: And that's really all you need. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it's it's always great when you have the people who it's like, oh, well, this is a story I've wanted to do for years and I've been crafting this idea. Like, you know, the, the Ryan Johnson, you know. I wrote brick over the course of, like, 13 years ever since I was in college. You're like, yeah, it's, it's great to see that you finally got your thing made. But then sometimes it's just like, yeah, man, I just had an idea. And so I made it, and people liked it, so I uh, kept doing it. Yeah.
1: Which <laughs> is disappointing in a way, just because, like, this is a comic that ran for seven years. Yeah. Like, this ran for 60, 60, issues. 60 issues continuously. It didn't have a breaking point. No. And it was hugely successful. Like, it was one of Image's top comics for a long time. hmm And you want him to have some kind of an attachment to this beyond, you know, this is the book that I'm working on. But with Layman, that doesn't really seem to
0: be the case. I think what it was was just that it was something where the book is just so weird enough and goofy enough that he never really had to take doing it seriously. And, you know, with a lot of writers, they have multiple irons in the fire while they're working at one time. So you get to have that ability where it's like, okay – I'm writing the super heavy, you know, Death of the Mutants, House of M stuff over at Marvel. And then when I feel like I kind of need to bounce away from that so I can keep the juices flowing but not fall into a terrible depression of all the the dark, heavy stuff I'm writing, I'm going to go do this weird comic about a guy who can eat stuff and learn from it. And then, you know, after he's done with that, all right, I'll I'll come back and start doing my Marvel stuff again. (laughs) The weird other thing about it is that, again, we
1: mentioned it's an image comic which Chu kind of, in retrospect, seems like the perfect property for Image, like right up their wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. Layman didn't take it to them first. He took it literally everywhere else and got rejected from everywhere else. And then when he went to Image, it wasn't to see if they would publish it. It
0: was to see if they had an artist for him. Which is weird because, like, especially at this point, you know, Walking Dead has just gotten somewhat big. This is just before the show hit. Yeah. So it was at a point where, like, Image isn't really the, I guess, it's not really the powerhouse we know it to be at this point. Because, you know, nowadays, Image is, it's the third, it's its the green party of comics. Like, yeah. plenty of people, and myself included, tend to go to what they do more often than not. Because it's, you know, it's creator-owned. It's, you know, uh, more intimate and personal stories at times. As we've seen with Chu, but it's also, it's stuff that you don't get to see more often than not. And to have a book where, like, everyone is just like, I don't want to touch this. This doesn't feel like our thing. I feel like Image would have been screaming at him, like, yo, bring it here. We will do this. This shit is our wheelhouse. Let us make this. Uh, That's
1: literally what they did, too. Like, they told him, listen, we don't have an artist in mind for you, so you're going to have to
0: find one, but we'll make your fucking book. Yeah. Like Todd'll touch that shit. Like Kirkman would be all over that stuff. And Kirkman helped him. Yeah, which I mean, at that point makes sense. This is this is before Kirkman was, you know, Lord Kirkman. I can do no wrong. Yeah, but that's another rant for me to do a different day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say the comparisons with between this and Walking Dead is a
1: whole different conversation that we oh, can yeah. have. Absolutely, because that's that's a whole thing, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like the TV shows because this the Chew TV. Oh, Chew, thing, Chew. Has, Chew has been through the ringer. It's been almost ten years they've been trying to develop either
0: a TV show or a movie for oh, they're Chew. Not even. they're not even trying anymore. No, they're really not. No. Um, after sh- After Showtime, uh, dicked them around for a little while and then dropped it. And then whatever it was that wound up causing the animated movie they wanted to make fall through, I don't think either of them really have the time, patience, or interest in trying to continue with it. Uh, they put out a board game. and we're like all right good enough let's let's move on
1: which is such a weird touch they released a board like a tabletop board game yeah (laughs) which is like of all the things i was gonna say i think
0: think it's literally almost like a clue mystery type game where it's like you have to be solving mysteries that involve you (laughs) eating people (laughs) oh my god also if you didn't pick it up she was about a detective
1: that has to eat people in order to solve the crimes of how they died. It's very iZombie. zombie.
0: Yeah. All oh, right. Like, I forgot we didn't, was we like, didn't actually tell we didn't actually what talk about the premise is. of the
1: show. We were going to get into that
0: later. Tony but Chu is a detective, but he's got one weird quality. That's <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's how I would pitch it if I was trying to send it to anybody. Yeah. Like yeah, literally, it's he has. Um, they, they say it in the book. I don't have it written down. He has a thing that I don't think is actually real. No, he's Cibipat because if it was. Um, we would have heard
1: more about it by now oh yeah which by the way the amount of bloody food based powers in this fucking comic are ridiculous <laughs> yeah. like, there's, there's an entire wikipedia page dedicated yes, to the yes. powers in into... it on its,
0: i was going to say on its on its wikipedia page there is a subsection that is literally just food based powers it's, oh my
1: god <laughs> Like, again, it's just
0: goofy and ridiculous. And you know they were having fun. It's just like, what weird different thing can we do today? Oh, yeah. no, And that's the thing is even when you just look at the art style, it's it's cartoony enough where you're like, okay, so this is not a really gritty noir story. It is ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Getting into the art style, uh, the thing that's kind of notable about Chu because the thing that people really remember it for and jump at more so than the story is the art, mm-hmm. which is weird because the artist, uh, Rob Guillory, this is his first major title, and mm-hmm. to this date, his only major title.
0: Which uh, sucks, because I think that his style really uh, fit well to this. Um, what I find funny is, is the art style for this, this is going to be a deep cut for anybody that knows me as a podcaster or uh, comics in general, the art style for this reminds me a lot of the R.I.P.D. comic mm. that ran in the late 90s, which, I don't, was that image that made that? I can't remember. Probably. Not off the top of my head. It was yeah. either Image or IDW, but um and it's it's just this that weird like blocky heads with like disproportionate body thing and it's just like it's it's got just a hint of like an amateurish quality to it, but the the fact that it's overly like line-based cartoony makes it work for what they're doing. Yeah. Also, uh RIPD was Dark Horse. It was Dark Horse. It was. Ironic. <laughs>
1: Hillary he was pretty young when he started on Shoe. He was 27. Uh, Rob Liefeld was 18. Yeah, go ahead. You shut <laughs> your dirty mouth
0: about Rob Liefeld. <laughs> uh, I have feelings. Yeah, everyone does. I still don't think he could draw feet.
1: No, he can't. Like, a person's chest shouldn't be bigger than their head, Rob. <laughs> oh. Anyway, 27. He, the only other work that he had done was for... Basically, like, comic strips and for uh, anthology work, okay. one of which was for
0: Image. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there's the connection. Mystery solved. Yeah. On to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> there's really not much to talk about with him. I mean, he won
1: the Harvey Award for mm-hmm. uh, Best New Artist, along with Choose, like, other Best New and Continuing Series for Harvey and Eisner Awards that they won back in 2009,
0: 2010. hmm Yeah, good for them. It's always so weird, especially when you have a book like Chew, where it's like it seems like everyone involved is just like going through the paces, and they're like, "Yeah, it's a story we came up with, and I found this guy as an artist, and now we're working together, and like yeah, we have fun with it, but whatever." And it's like, "Well, you guys are winning awards, yeah, it's cool, I guess." It's literally what the relationship. <laughs> it was so. Ups- I
1: was watching interviews with the two. Rob just draws all of his stuff from home, yeah, and you can tell like John probably does the same thing too. So it's like, very rare the- that you will find a comics creator that goes to an office. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, literally, the only interaction these two have is probably their emails and when they meet up at
0: conventions. Yeah. And that's that's true of a lot of the the, the, the people in the business at this point is, like, I know reading reading the stuff that, that Brian Michael Bendis has talked about when it comes to working with artists or, you know, Scott Snyder or whoever it is is that they're saying, like, you know, you, this is a business where now that we live in a world where the internet exists and you could kind of pull anybody from anywhere, it's like – You're not going to an office talking face-to-face with your editor, your artist, you know, the publisher, and then sitting at a desk and working together. It's literally, we don't talk except through email or maybe Skype, and we meet every so often at conventions or whatever it is. And this is a person who literally you are forming one of the closest relationships you can with. Because you are working together on a product yes. that you are putting forth. this like It's both your
1: artistic endeavor and your living. Yeah. Like, this is how you are making it through your life, and this is your partner,
0: and you don't really know
1: anything about yeah. them.
0: You have to find a way to kind of have a cohesive relationship without ever having spoken face-to-face. Yeah. And I know from experience and stuff that I've done, like, email is the worst communication tool in the world. You can misread an email nine different ways and still not get the meaning that was sent to you and what was written, and it is so impersonal that it is upsetting. Yeah, so that's, good for them. They really they made it work. They made it
1: work, so that's good for them. They they won some awards. They were on the New York Times bestseller list. Like they they made it work, mm-hmm. which is you know. Wish I could have a life
0: where I could win an Eisner Award and just be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, just like yeah, just kind of hanging out at home. That's nice. Cool. It's uh I'll put it on my shelf, I guess. Like
1: you literally have won the two highest accolades in comics. In your business. And you've just like eh. <laughs> yeah. Uh uh. So let's get into the uh the story of Chew a little bit now that we've gone into the background. Okay. Oh, awesome. This is a stupid sticking point, but I put this in caps in my notes, so I thought it was important at the time. Uh Guillory's website is a blog spot. That's beautiful. <laughs>
0: he and i have something in common <laughs> or at least we did until i upgraded to wordpress <laughs> so now i'm on the same level as nerdist you went from no 1. Point, you went from 1.2 to 1.3 yep <laughs> yeah and then maybe one day i'll know html <laughs> nope i'll just go to squarespace <laughs> today's <books>. sponsor is <laughs>
1: oh god if only
0: um. So I feel like it can't be that hard. Everybody's sponsored by Squarespace.
1: <laughs> so let's move on to the story of Chew because, who uh,
0: boy, it's
1: a it's a time. Chew is a weird, weird book. Once upon a time in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, after the outbreak of the avian flu. Yeah, remember that, kids. <laughs> so for those who are. Hard of remembering, or if you're, God forbid, you're that young and listening to no, this, where you don't young. actually remember. You are gonna be that young. That's
0: gonna be upsetting for me. That's gonna be Get a- your parents' permission before <laughs> learning about <laughs> the We've been cursing a flu. lot
1: in this podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not like we're behind a paywall though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So back in, like, 2009, there was the whole scare about the bird flu and the avian flu and all that nonsense. Mm -hmm. So literally, Layman's idea, and I think his initial premise and selling point for the comic was, like, what if the avian flu was a real thing and actually killed a whole lot of people?
0: Yeah. Uh, The idea that that the avian flu was not just a big scare that got thrown around for, like, a month, but actually was a a somewhat devastating incident in the world— That would then lead to bigger consequences towards the world and its relationship with things like poultry and birds in general, I guess. (laughs) feels weird to put it that way.
1: Our relationship (laughs) with
0: birds, (laughs) not the birds. Yeah, I was going to say, now now that we're apparently going to be at war with birds, (laughs) according to Matt Delhauer.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so uh, yeah – the background to this story is that there was an outbreak of the bird flu, mm-hmm. and it killed 23 million people in the United States. Cool. So the U.S. government— Good for those birds. Those Finally birds, getting us back. They did them work. mm mm-hmm. they, ta- they tagged us one good. <laughs> <laughs> so the U.S. government, in all of their infinite wisdom, decided to ban all poultry-based products in, like, sales and stores and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, it's literally like... Ain't no more bird meat. Ain't no more bird meat in the world, or in the U.S. at least. And it's literally become a black market item at this point, because apparently people love and miss chicken that fucking much. Dude, chicken's pretty great. Chicken is pretty good. Yeah, like, I mean, what am I going to do, eat red meat? (laughs) Like, I'm literally just imagining a scenario where someone's just like, huh, yeah, steak and hamburger's okay, but, like, really, really feel like having chicken tonight and then they just fucking head off into a back alley uh,
0: or, or even just like just like you know man like like putting up on like uh, on twitter like man i really miss chicken and 5 minutes later there's a knock at the door and they're getting put in cuffs by the fbi
1: <laughs> that's kind of the idea that he's trying to sell with this though and it's a whole thing where now the um the fda i believe is the yep f- the fda dr- or the food and drug administration yep is now Cracking down on uh, black market sales of chicken and people trying to purchase it illegally. Hell yeah. There's also a big old conspiracy that the government took away the chicken for different reasons besides, like, the bird flu and that the plague was
0: something else entirely. Well, of course they would, man. It's the government. The government always does shady shit like that. Oh, shadow government. Oh, goddamn deep state. <laughs>
1: So that's kind of the world we're entering into. The which... thing that I
0: find so interesting about it is is that there's no, like, you have so many different comics where if they had an instant, like, that's, that's the concept you get into, they would probably open with, like, a splash page or something that's, like, telling you the world that you're in. Or, like, you know, a whole block of text that's, like, you know, in 2009 oh, yeah. during the avian flu, yeah, et cetera, like... et cetera. This book does not do that. No. You are thrown into a world that you're just like, oh, everything seems like it's perfectly fine here until finally you get to the moment where you realize, oh, wait, chicken's illegal? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, to compare it to another comic that has, like, a big plague-based storyline, uh, Why the Last Man, which is excellent fucking book that everybody should go out and
0: read. Um, or just wait for the show. Or just wait for the show if it, you know, ever eventually happens. Uh, apparently that's getting a lot more pull to actually be a show, so. yeah. I think, I think who was Amazon was going to make it. Maybe? Sure, I believe it. Yeah, it's anybody. Somebody. It's <laughs> Someone. It'll wind someone up somewhere. Wants it.
1: <laughs> but uh, the way why why the last man handles their plague is that it's literally like the starting event of the comic is that plague happens and then it's the immediate aftermath and dealing with that, mm-hmm. whereas opposed to Chew. Drops you in without telling you, just like randomly at some point, like a couple years after the plague happens, and it's up to you as the reader to intuit what's going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not like they don't have, um, like exposition on the concept. Oh no, yeah, they definitely give you like give you the keys that you need
1: in order to, um, yeah, figure it's, out
0: it's, what's happening. It's once once you get the idea of what's going on, you then get the kind of the info dump of of what it is and why and et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's, it's honestly – it's quick enough that, you know, you don't feel like somebody is is expositing at you. Uh, it's more of along the lines of like, oh, so now I know what's going on, back into the action. Yeah.
1: Which is like – and that's interesting now that we're talking about, like, that info dump because what they do give us an info dump on right away. And when we actually read the comic, you'll be able to see that for yourselves.
0: Or listen to us or, read it. Or listen to us read it. Please. Please. This is, this is why we're here.
1: This, we, we can only do so much. <laughs> We get a big old explanation about the main character Tony's power, which is sibopathy. Sibopathy, which is the ability to get the psychic impression of the
0: last thing that you ate. Yeah, um, do do we want to spoil what he does not have a sibopathic
1: connection no, to? It, um, it's. It's a small point in the first couple of issues, but fuck it, we
0: can spoil it because it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> Tony can only eat beets without <laughs> gaining this weird sibopathic flash into its past uh, connections. Such a weird, weird choice. I know it's <laughs> I, I, it's it's one of the it's one of those like little bits of brilliance in it where it's like. Just, you you get immediately that's the kind of humor you're dealing with in this book. It's just like, oh, yeah, he can eat an apple and and see, like, where the tree grew and what pesticides were used. Or he can eat a hamburger and essentially see how the cow was slaughtered. But if he eats beets, nothing. Nothing happens. Because (laughs) beets are just (laughs) boring as shit. Because they are the worst.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that's one of the things about this comic is it's funny.
0: Yeah. Like, it's a really funny comic. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's. It does this wonderful bit of being able to balance this ridiculous humor with this ultra violent concept. Yeah, and that's which, by the
1: way, if you're list, if you plan on listening to our next episode, which please do, it's dark
0: and it's a gritty story. It's and that's the thing is that it's like it's so easy for a story like this to be one where like you dip too far into one tone or the other. Or you could make it so that it's so tone-deaf that you never know what it's supposed to be. Yeah. There is just enough of a balance in the writing for this that you get that, like, dark drama to it, but you also get the nice, lighter aspects of, like, just them being like, look, we get it. This idea is fucking bonkers. Yeah. Like, it. it's unique
1: in how it does it. And that's, I think, what made Chu so successful at the end of the day was just how unique its balance was. Yeah. Because, like, it's so hard to find that balance between, like, the comedy
0: and, like, the dark humor and the grittiness and the noir of it. And there have been plenty of occasions where it has failed horribly. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't have any titles to bring up. The only other title I could think of, but it was another one that did it perfectly, was Grant Morrison's Happy. Yes, and that one did get a
1: adaptation on fi
0: eventually. Yes. Um, which I, I think it was only a mini-series, because that was only a six-issue book. Uh, it's getting another season, I think. Well, then...
1: Oh, the comic, you mean. The
0: comic was a six-issue book and a mini-series. Uh, the show itself, yeah, I, I don't know if they are venturing off into new territory, because I think Morrison's involved with the show,
1: which I... would
0: be interesting, because that means mm. he now has to write more for a book. He was like, and uh, I... I'm done!
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's actually a really good point. Going back to, like, the humor of it, there's a... And this is after the uh, the comics that we're reading, so like I don't care about this particular spoiler. This is only a spoiler if you plan to read ahead. Yeah, which I do encourage because it's a super Absolutely. fun series. Please, purchase these comics at your local comic shop. <laughs> Making fun of my tags. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a point where Chu is attempting to arrest someone. and the way he- His name is,
0: in fact, Chu, if we haven't stated. Oh, Tony yes, Chu.
1: Name, Tony Chu. But it's C H U.
0: Instead of C H E W. It's it's a pun. If you guys get what puns are, you old enough to know what a pun is? <laughs> I'm going to get really upset over this idea that our
1: audience is like They're all like
0: 12. <laughs> it's so true.
1: Oh, God. Oh, now I just got this really real fear of if my le- nephew listens to this. Oh, no. <laughs> But Tony Chu is arresting a man. He's arresting a man, and he got the history of how this man committed a crime by having to eat a dead dog because the dog was a witness to the crime.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember remember you telling me about this. Yeah,
1: and there's a moment where Tony's arresting this man, and this man's, like, claiming innocence, and he's like, dude, listen, I had to eat a dead dog, and on that merit loan, you're under arrest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yep. It's... It's weird. It's dark. It's gruesome. It's hilarious. It's off. It's off-putting. Yeah. It's brilliant. The character
1: types too are just so weird and different. Like, do we want to get into Savoy a little bit
0: since you're going to be, (laughs) we, (laughs) Mister Savoy? Yeah, we could talk about Savoy. Um, To add into just the ridiculous concept of character in this, John finds this way of creating characters that are both blatant stereotypes but ones that don't like fit what he's building yeah i mean like the the you have things like like tony's partner in the in the the first issue is your classic kind of like meathead cop which is perfectly fine like that's that's more of like you're getting into the 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 stereotype that fits the point but you you come across a character who is um agent savoy who is the head of the FDA, and he has this crazy, almost almost like this this man-out-of-time British aristocracy thing about him with, like, the newsboy cap and the big walrus mustache. He's walking around like he's got a pocket watch coming out of his waistcoat sort of thing. I think when I was writing the script, the way
1: I initially described him was, like, this is a gentleman straight out of the Bull Moose Party.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. This, this is this is a guy who would refer to himself or others as gentlemen yeah unironically um and it's great yeah it is <laughs> and, and it's and it's and it's the thing that I don't understand is why this is the head of a federal investig like investigatory like branch because it's like especially it's the Fda like he's and- he's everything about him does not fit what they are building, but that's what makes it, like, the most brilliant concept.
1: That's the, one of the other weird things is that the FDA
0: in this universe has become a larger organization than the FBI. Yes. It is, It is like, one of the biggest and most funded organizations in the federal government. It is this concept as if, like, the FDA has somehow become America's Scotland Yard.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's and
0: that's exactly what they build him to be <laughs> is he is he is essentially like chief inspector Savoy. <laughs>
1: oh, God. Like just talking about it out loud, it's like and how much more clear it's becoming that like this comic is literally just a hodgepodge
0: of like different weird ideas that like they just. Yeah, it is completely together. This is this is one of those things that like I think the reason I love this book and the reason I hate this book is because this is a book that I know I could have written. If I had had the idea, because I'm like I like, and every time that something else comes along, I love it because I'm like brilliant. That's exactly where I would have taken it. Fuck you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, it's literally like I can. You can just picture John Lehman just sitting like at his desk and just an idea occurring to him. He
0: chuckles to himself and, and just, then just immediately it. puts it in puts it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is one of those books where it's it works so well because somebody didn't overthink it.
1: Yeah, and that that's exactly right. Yeah, like it's. Just the right amount of, like, thought was put into it, it feels like. Because it's not a deep comic, but it's an intriguing comic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I just want to kind of read off some of these fucking powers that are in this book. Yo, please. As we were touching on before, uh one of the key plot elements to the book is that the main character has this power called Sympathy. It's not the only power that's in there. There's a lot of others. Like, I'm not going to read them all because, again, there's – Shit ton. Give me, give me a hot five. Uh, let's give you a hot five. They're also really hard to say, so I forgive me if I say these wrong. If you're a super fan of Chew, Effervenductor, which is the capability of creating mind controlling uh, messages in foam.
0: Yep. Okay.
1: I'm <laughs> That's down
0: with
1: one. it. Burrado, which is the ability to cut tortillas into sharp objects.
0: Why why does that get a name? I don't know. I'm pretty pretty sure that's just like like killer origami (laughs) with tortilla chips. That was that was that was a Pete and Pete villain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's a Sabo picture, which is the ability to paint a picture that tastes deliciously of what it looks like. That feels like. That's also ties into a sabo scrivener, which is the ability to write anything, and people get the taste of what you're writing about. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. And weird. then let's... we got we got into a weird place with that one. It's the a... painting one feels like a rejected concept from Heroes. <laughs> <It does. laughs> Honestly, most of these do. Oh yeah. I think that's that might even be what it is. Is that it's like I feel like his his feeling was just like. What are superpowers that are just way too stupid? Yeah, <laughs> uh, to give you two uh, two absolutely weird
1: ones, Siba uh, Linguist is the ability to speak the language language of whatever nationality dish they are cooking. Okay, so like, say you're cooking a Mexican dish. Yeah, I all was going to say making sp- making
0: speak Spanish. Make na- uh, is nachos is that Mexican or is that like Mexican American? Uh, it's, it's hard to tell at this point because that. It's absolutely something that Americans have co opted. and yeah. kind of made into their own thing. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say. I mean, I'm absolutely. It most likely started in Mexico, and then we just like. Yeah, and then we just southwesternized it. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so like making a plate of nachos and speaking Spanish—that's wonderful. But then I guess like the moment you stop making it, you suddenly can't speak the language anymore. Yep. Oh wow. <laughs> That'd be the weirdest like interview.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And then the weirdest one that I'm seeing right now is a uh, Lagomoussikian? Ooh, okay. Try that one again. La- Lagomoussikian. Sure. I'm not looking at the screen. I can't yeah. correct you. It's uh, the ability to s- uh, string guitar with pasta noodles. <laughs> 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 and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> oh, good. I hope they're uncooked. <laughs>
0: uh, I don't want to a- just stiff pasta noodles. Oh, I it's not... It's not like cooked pasta is gonna make a good guitar.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's gonna make a good guitar either
0: way. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to talk about the plot without getting into like the rest of like the spoilers without actually the, talking about the intricacies the, of the episode of it. and stuff. Yeah, because again, listen to our episode and you're gonna have yourself a weird, good, gory time. Yep. Uh, and then just as our last thing, uh, the kind of the impact that Chew has had, and just kind of like, I think what's more interesting is like how successful Chew as an indie comic on its own was able to
0: become. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Chew. I think until Saga came around, was considered probably like one of like the second place indie comic of a long time for Image. Yeah, because I mean, I hate to say it, nothing's really going to be able to touch Walking Dead for a while. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was. One of the books on Image, along with Walking Dead, and I feel like there was one other that I can't remember the name of. Oh, uh, Why the Last Man, coming off of, um, was that, did Vertigo do that? I think I? that was Vertigo. Uh, just the, the, the this resurgence of comics that were allowed to not be superhero comics, and carry just their own stories, their own characters, and show that this was a medium that could really go anywhere, and wasn't... The, you know, kids entertainment that people had assumed it be for decades and decades before that. Yeah. It'll, it'll just, it allowed the medium to really kind of grow into its own uh, concept of, of art and really give a lot of people a sense of what could be done with comics as well as a lot of potential creators the boosting confidence of, oh, holy crap, like I could do this too. Yeah, you know, because there's there's so many people where you could say like, oh, well, I'd love to work in comics, whether it's drawing or writing or whatever it is. And you're like, yeah, but, you know, if I don't get into Marvel or D.C., I can't really you know, I don't I can't be considered successful. And if I'm not, you know, if I don't have an idea of like, oh, what would a story I would write for for Batman be like you? Sometimes people don't have an idea for something like that or they they have an idea, but it's like. You know, no no company wants to to read my ridiculous Batman story. So for this, it just allowed people to realize you don't need to seek out Superman to be in the, the, the comics industry. Yeah. And especially with things like, you know, I mean, granted, yes, when it came to, to Chew, you know, John was already writing stuff beforehand and just kind of had this idea that, that came along. But you also look at stuff like, you know, Kirkman. He he sold the idea of Walking Dead by literally lying to people about what the story was going to be. And then when he started writing it, they were like, hey, you know that idea you had about how all the zombies were created by aliens? Maybe we shouldn't do that. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's probably a stupid idea. I won't do that. <laughs>
1: Oh, Kirkman, you piece of shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I, I give him so much credit for where he got with everything. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. I may not be the biggest fan of his writing, but, I mean, dude hustled and he got where he got because he wanted it harder than a lot of other people, so. Yeah, and he, and it's still going. Yeah, right? absolutely. Both comic and show, for better or worse. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and Kirkman himself, I mean, he's he now owns and operates his own, you know, publishing company, so. Yeah. It, it sky's the limit skybound what a what a that was weird um <laughs> but yeah it's just indie comics are one of the things that i i honestly love to read so much because as someone who has always wanted to be able to do writing in this industry indie comics are what have kind of given me the drive to say that hey I don't have to be, you know, banging down Marvel's door saying, please let me write Spider-Man, please let me write Spider-Man. Because, I mean, I'm not Brian Michael Bendis and they're not desperate enough to have some jackass write Spider-Man at this point. But if I have an idea that I think is worth making and I can work my way to getting that taken care of, you know, places like Image are more than willing to take a risk. And see whether or not it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, there are plenty of books Image has put out that after a while they have even said like, yeah, this wasn't really the greatest idea. But they're willing to work to have that build into something else. And it's why they're probably one of my favorite book companies. And it's why books like this are really important. Because they are able to show that you can do it. Anyone can do it. And sometimes it doesn't have to be, you know, the killing joke. It can be a ridiculous story about a cop in Philly who eats people and sees their memories. And you know what? There's going to be an audience somewhere for it.
1: Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you for letting me rant. (laughs) Always happy to let you rant, Matt. But, yeah, I think that just about covers it. Yeah. So uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, be sure to check out all the social media things that my Make girlfriend Make sure runs. your
0: parents let you onto social media. You need media. to stop.
1: <laughs> I refuse to accept that anybody younger than the age of 18 listens to us. That's I a lie, was, Matt. I
0: wish I could be as delusional. <laughs> God.
1: Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram
0: make sure to check out all of the social media that we are a part of including facebook and twitter and instagram or head over to youtube where you can listen to more from cape swoosh productions
1: yeah like that thing that i've been dedicating that
0: thing that he's been dedicating his life to Uh, it's called scott pilgrim four
1: more volumes
0: this was his fault see you
1: guys next time